0: Welcome to FileMaker Talk, the new podcast talking about all things FileMaker. This is Matt Navarre. And I'm Matt
1: Petrowski. And together, we're Matt, we're Squared. Matt Squared. Yes, a little corny, but hey, it was something fun to do, right? You got to do the fun stuff. <laughs> well, when we talked about it, we said, hey, this has got to be a fun podcast. It does. Even if it's corny. Corny, corny so, is fun. Yeah, we're a small market, so let's make it fun as fun as we can. So what do we have on the board? Well, we have a new podcast. Why are we doing this? Well, it's something to do. It's something fun. Uh, I like talking about FileMaker. You like talking about FileMaker. Who are we? Who are we? Just for those who don't know. Who are you? Matt Petrowski. I am the, uh, I'd like to be known as the FileMaker Magazine guy. I've got a website at FileMakerMagazine.com. And I shoot video articles. I've been doing that since about 2003. And uh, I spend a lot of time in FileMaker. And you are? Matt Navar with MSN Media, and until
0: recently, with also with PreOne Software. But MSN Media has been my consulting company. Um, I have no relation to Microsoft. They just happen to be my initials. Since about 1987,
1: I've had that company. So basically, we're just two FileMaker geeks. Yep. I'd, I'd say that's pretty accurate.
0: I aspire to being a FileMaker geek.
1: <laughs> well, I think we've succeeded quite well.
0: We're doing this podcast because we both want to be better at, at FileMaker as time goes by, and we want to help other people also learn techniques, uh, get exposed to news information, and listen to interviews of people that we talk to, the FileMaker luminaries, I like to call them.
1: So why don't we cut right to the chase? Why don't we talk about uh, what we're going to be talking about in terms of segments and what people can expect? Okay. First one I'm going to cover is what's FileMaker cool this week? We'll probably always do that as one of the uh, intro parts of the podcast. So what's that about?
0: Kind of what when you and I in, my, in our FileMaker lives, when we encounter something cool, a technique, or an interesting problem with an interesting solution... Talk about that. So it's kind of a direct experience thing. Uh, also, I think we'd invite people to contribute when they come across something really cool to to uh, send that
1: in. Oh, which uh, brings me to remember, we're going to provide multiple ways for people to uh, contact us. One is through Skype, and what's that address? FileMaker Talk. One word, and they'll be able to access that on the Skype client. Do we have a call-in number yet? Yeah, we have a number hundred two 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 eight. And people can leave uh, feedback or messages there. Right. And we also have an email and that's going to be Matt at Filemakertalk.com. But wait a second. Who's it gonna go to? I don't know. Are you gonna
0: read it? It will go to us both <laughs> coincidentally. Just send to Matt at Filemakertalk.com. You know if there was any question as to whether we were geeks it's now been
1: removed. <laughs> that's a guarantee. That is a guarantee. So other segments we have. Uh, latest FileMaker News Rundown. Talk about uh, the latest and the greatest in FileMaker. Yep. And I actually introduced you to, well, you knew about the tool today, but we might as well tell people what, we knew, what we're what we going to be using in order to keep in touch with the news of FileMaker. Right. Google Reader. That, Google Reader. And Google Reader is, um, I like using it because... It has a really awesome implementation on the iPhone. If you go to uh, google.com slash reader and you do that on your iPhone or another mobile device, then they have a mobile reader, which is absolutely brilliant, allowing you to read your news not only on your desktop and then also on a laptop if you have multiple computers, but also on the mobile. So it's very awesome. like it a lot. Cool.
0: Another segment that we're going to have is the FileMaker interview, which is probably most episodes are going to have. They're going to be focused on an interview with a specific FileMaker luminary uh, for 15 to 30 minutes where they can talk about what they're doing. We'll try to make that really educational, but it'll also be product-based. So when new versions or brand-new products come out, we'll be talking about that.
1: Awesome. And uh, one of the ones that I'm most interested in and excited about is FileMaker debate. You're wrong. I'm taking the other side of the debate. You, you got can, me there. You can say you got, it's good. But. I, was not, I love it. I love your dry sense of humor. You're always throwing stuff in. And you're always keeping me on my toes. That's awesome. That was perfect. So the
0: debate's going to be good. We'll, we'll hopefully get people to send in information about a specific topic. So we'll try to announce those in advance. Like, for example, table occurrence groups or spider graph. And we can let people um, rail on what they like and hate about both of those approaches. And then we'll cover that.
1: Or is FileMaker trending down? Uh,
0: That leads up to another thing we'll talk about in a minute. Yep. Another segment we're going to have is It's Not FileMaker. Other cool things, other technologies that make the FileMaker developer's life easier.
1: Ah, Stepping outside of the FileMaker world for a moment. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to this one, too. Mm -hmm. It's where I get to talk about some of my other developer geeky stuff.
0: Yeah, like Drupal and the work you've been doing with that.
1: Yeah, the PHP, gotta love the
0: PHP. I'm personally really looking forward to hearing a lot about that. That's gonna be, that's the other major reason we're doing this is because we really wanna try to keep a sort of a
1: fresh approach of things that we really wanna hear. A podcast we wanna listen to. And plus, everybody, all of those of you who are listening to this, we know that you're not just FileMaker, you're interested in other technology things too, so we'd love to talk about them. FileMaker Gab, another segment. That's basically where we're just, uh, talking about anything related to filemaker that's covered in our our main segment so the the smaller segments the what's filemaker cool we'll probably do that about 5 minutes latest news anywhere from 3 to 5 minutes and the it's not filemaker will probably be a relatively short one but then the podcast will probably vary we're not going to talk about the longer segments which are 15 to 30 minutes which include the either the interview debate or The Gab. We'll just do be doing one of those in each of the podcasts. Right. So. so that's what we're going to be talking about. Now let's launch into
0: what's cool this week. That works for me. And for
1: you. What's cool?
0: Oh, I was going to ask you. We we're going to talk about WebViewer. We we're going to talk about the same thing.
1: Okay, we can do that. Well, uh, the latest article that I've been working on for the magazine... Well, I've been doing this series called uh, Zero to Awesome where basically I started with a blank slate uh, FileMaker file and then I'm just building the file. And as I go, I'm building all kinds of different parts. Well, the uh, short part of this is that the way that I'm storing contact details, you know, things like phone numbers, emails, all of the ancillary items related to a contact is I'm storing them in one file called details. So you've got... The value of whatever it is that you're storing and then you use a label. So rather than using a, say for example, a dedicated email address, I'm using a very generic structure where it says value, the name of the field is literally value and then label. And so then what happens is you apply the label to the value. So in the field, you can have various pieces of information, email address, phone number, etc. Mm-hmm. The problem with storing that information in that format is that it makes it hard to get out. So I want you to think about what are the all of the pieces of an address. There's about four or five, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the street, the city, the zip, uh, state, whatever. Mm-hmm. How do you extract those out for the purpose of display on your layout? If you're storing all of that information, you know that you can have you can have one portal which shows all details related to that contact. Well, the way that I'm pulling it out is, one, I'm using a very powerful custom function that you can find on Brian Dunning's website. That's at Brian Dunning, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, I believe. Is that right? Yes. And uh, the custom function is called Custom List. It's from a developer, Agnes Barreau, in France. And this allows me to, by using these tagging or this these labels, the value that is stored is the address, the city, the zip, etc. And then the label next to it, or the category, is, for example, billing versus shipping. So what custom list lets you do is provide custom list using the list function, grabbing all of the details for that particular person, but then filtering out only those items that are specific to the tag that you want. So I'm pulling that out using billing versus shipping. So I say, I only want any of the items that are labeled or tagged with billing. And then the way that I'm showing that is using a web viewer. Hmm. So that would allow you to have one small set of
0: fields that the can, and then you can contain a home address, a billing address, a shipping address, and five other addresses for one customer. And then just a single address for the next customer.
1: Exactly. I not it's having an, to have
0: dedicated fields for all those things.
1: Exactly. You have two fields. Well, there's actually four because you have label and category, value, and then data type is one that I'm using. But it does. That's where you get like the Apple address book. You can have as many addresses as you want. You're not limited to just using static shipping fields and static billing fields. Right. Same with email addresses, phone numbers. It's infinitely unlimited. The advantage is the data storage, but the disadvantage is how do you display it. Yeah, lists so, and
0: whatnot, whatnot are difficult.
1: So that's how I'm doing it. I'm just pulling it out and then using a, um, a web viewer. But here's the cool thing is using a web viewer for the purpose of displaying your data gives you a lot of other advantages. So what's cool is on the actual address, right underneath that, I've got a hyperlink because it's a web viewer, and that hyperlink says, say, for example, show map. So that will then link to, like, Google Maps for that address, just taking the individual pieces of the address and then making the URL and taking you to the Google address or the Google Maps. And you can have another one, which is mail to. You can put in an anchor that will use a mail to. So basically, with this one little web viewer, you can use all these different links that will link out to external applications all relevant to the information that's in the web viewer, hmm. and I think that's really pretty cool That's because cool. it it combines a lot of functionality all into. And I happen to be using one custom function to put within that web viewer. Do you have? Does the web viewer have to use the file URL structure? Um, the web viewer, yes, you have to use the. Uh, it's that data slash text where you actually define that what you're supplying in the web viewer is going to be uh, text. Coming from within the web viewer, but you have to structure that in a uh, valid HTML document structure. That's right. Yeah. So, what is the exact uh, verbiage of that? Um, it's actually it's data, and then you, it's a literal slash, and then text, and then I believe it's a colon or a semicolon, and then following that is just a regular HTML structure where actually, you have the HTML head.
0: Yeah, it's a comma. Gotcha. After it, I remember because I did it wrong. I did it with a colon, I think.
1: Yeah, data, I,
0: data slash URL, colon, or, and then comma.
1: Well, one of the, the place that I found this that uh, was a great way to learn was um, over at Jeff Coffey's Six Fried Rice. And the way that I found this is um, if you put into a Google search um, looking for, I believe, just putting HTML as your keyword search, but then you follow that up with a Google qualifier of site, colon, SixFriedRice.com. That will search just Jeff's website, looking for any uh, blog posts that include HTML. Cool. And so that's how I I remembered he had done it a while back, and so I went to a website, searched, found it, and then put it into my file within you know, mere minutes.
0: Awesome. Todd Geist is doing a lot of stuff with that. He was uh, he was showing, and at DevCon they talked about a lot uh, of the web stuff. One of the really cool things to do is use environmental variables like your screen resolution. Maybe that's not that useful, but more useful is the record that you're on and the total set of records, the found count. So you can have a you can use the web viewer to display that information, and then you can once you've got that web viewer built, you can copy and paste that web viewer to any da- any layout in any database, and it's basically uh, insensitive to context. It's a universal counter that without making a calculated field it can show you a little widget that shows you your record count. And then you can also use like a slider, you can use little JavaScript functions in there and other things like that as well.
1: Yep. very. You can do a lot of really cool stuff with web viewers. In fact, um, Jeff Huff and then I also have a little uh, sort of a little callback function. If you think about it, since the web viewer loads every time that a record is accessed or displayed, you can make callbacks to wherever you want. So envision just using a URL and passing um, your parameters or your values in that URL, and what it's hitting is, say, for example, a MySQL database. Mm-hmm. And you can capture any of the pieces of information that are available within FileMaker. Cool. So really awesome stuff with a web viewer. Web and view. what's cool for you?
0: The web viewer. See, we, <laughs> we agreed to talk only about one thing this particular episode, trying to keep it short. For real, you're not even going to tell me something that I'm really FileMaker. Not. It seems like, I don't know, this week, this last couple of weeks, I've been doing what I would con- what I would term pretty conservative straight-ahead FileMaker work. So not a whole lot of new challenges. Gotcha. Uh, doing some reporting stuff. I'm actually doing something which is com- tricky and fun, but it's pretty kind of straight-ahead programming, which is um, dealing with electronic lab reports. So all the different labs will send messages. Um for this disease tracking database that I'm working on. And then I need to take that message, which has um, basic demographic information name, first name, last name, um, date of birth, and sex and then compare those four fields against the existing names in the database and try to find the exact one person that's the match. And then cool. link that lab, that whole lab report, then would, after a human would click on it and say, yes, this is the right case. To, to populate that uh, data and link it, but the electronic lab report data is in a separate database that can't be edited. It's really just for reference. But I need to just store the link, so that's what I've been working on. It's pretty involved because every lab reports differently, and different diseases have totally different um, coding. So it's a it's a pretty big project. But it's actually today in the last couple of days, it's all really coming together and finally gelling.
1: Well, I can imagine the medical field's got I just. I've never dealt with the, the regulations that they've got, but I know that all those different regulations require so much meticulous data management. It's insane yeah. how much.
0: So anyone who wants to comment about HL7 messages, maybe we should have a debate about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you just spoke Greek to me because I have no idea what an HL7
0: is. <laughs> HL7 is health level 7. It's sort of the um, way that all the different institutions in the medical community want to be able to communicate with each other. And there's different versions of it. Older versions are just text and the newer versions are XML. But very few people are actually online with the newer versions. And, of course, I think that the whole thing should go away and they should use a really modern method like web services to communicate, but that kind of falls on deaf ears. (laughs) I'm going to be, at the end of this month, speaking at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, a bunch of CDC types on public health issues and specifically databases and having small departments be able to use FileMaker to make their
1: own databases it's just interesting stuff
0: very nice let's dive into the next
1: segment it's not oh, FileMaker it's not FileMaker what do you got? so this this is probably the what I was thinking I was confused I was thinking okay what's new with you because you were just telling me before we uh, started recording about what you've got going on
0: yeah I bought a Drobo and how is that working out? a Drobo is a storage robot you can go to drobo.com it's really cool I really like it.
1: Do we have an affiliate link for that? <laughs>
0: no, we should we get need- them as sponsors, though.
1: I know that they sponsor a bunch of other people. Yeah, they do. Hey, FileMaker people need to back up data. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's basically your primary storage device. You could put all your FileMaker databases on. I don't think it's actually appropriate for a FileMaker server, though. That's but-
1: true because it's splitting because it's RAID five.
0: Yeah, well, actually, and that's not why. The reason I, I wouldn't recommend it for a FileMaker server is because there's two versions of the device. The one they just came out with, which is the one that I got, is FireWire 800. And then they've also had a USB version for a couple of years. The USB right. version is now $350 with no drives, and then you just put in your own drives in, SATA drives. And then the Fire version, FireWire version is $499. Um, and it's really cool because whatever SATA drives you've got lying around... You might have like a couple of two hundred gig drives and a four hundred and a seven fifty or just two or whatever you throw them in there and it automatically configures itself and then when you when it 's time to upgrade, you just take out your smallest
1: drive and you put in a bigger drive so you, you so want to know you what's your two hundred and throw in a seven fifty or a terabyte or whatever you want to know what 's funny about that statement? What? You said whatever SATA drives you have now, if I turn my head and look around my office here. I can count the number of uh, IDE drives <laughs> that I have floating around that are all need to be wiped of data, but I just yeah. don't have that many SATA. It's funny. That's funny. I actually have sort of the same situation.
0: I have a lot of uh, IDE drives. I tend to use those in like G4s just internally because you can put four of them in a G4. Yeah. So you're liking it? Yeah. I only had it for a couple of days, but it was really beautifully easy to set up and use. And I love the fact that I never have to reformat it again. It's just, is what it is.
1: Cool. Well, I looked at it, but uh, I already had, uh, already had like multiple drives. I've got a just a standard drive that I'm using. um, What is that? That Apple Time? Gosh, I forget the name of Time Capsule. Yeah, uh, the Time Backup, whatever thing. And then I also had like a uh, RAID one set up. I had a Western Digital RAID
0: one that I got a couple of years ago. It was two 500-gig drives, and it was horrible. I hated that thing so much. Actually, the reason that I bought the Drobo, uh, the the reason I hated that Western Digital thing was because the fan came on constantly, and it was like a jet plane. It was so loud. Um, So I go, you know, I hate this thing. And I made a deal to myself. I said, if I open this thing up and discover that the drives in it are SATA drives, I'm going to buy a Drobo. And (laughs) (laughs) And I opened it up, and the drives in it are SATA drives. So I took them out, bought a Drobo, put them in the Drobo. They worked perfectly. And then I, I hated that thing so much that rather than give it to someone else, because it worked perfectly, it just was loud, I
1: actually threw it away. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you, you at least could have used the bridge board you know, to connect to other drives if no, you needed. No, it was
0: some really weird. It was like a some really, really bad hardware RAID thing. you have to run some weird firmware thing to reconfigure it as RAID 1 or RAID 0. Oh, it was a uh, hardware. It was the uh, on the board. It was chip based RAID. Yeah, it was a chip based uh, box with uh, hardware RAID, and it was also FireWire eight hundred. But one of the two FireWire ports was dead, which yeah, another annoying thing.
1: Gotcha. The drives I buy are from uh, Otherworld Computing, and usually, just being able to you can use the different options of RAID versus uh, what is that? It's something about. I forget what the acronym is for the using the multiple drives and just making it one large drive. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, uh, job
1: yeah, or J-Bod, whatever. D just a bunch of drives. Yeah, you just, just flip that with a. Um, I'm forgetting all my words today. The little uh, thing that you stick on the two different pins. Yeah, well, a jumper. A jumper. That's, yeah. Just, yeah.
0: So, so uh, that's that's what's not FileMaker and hardware this week for me. We're also going to be talking about some software, some Google. Uh, applications that you actually just told me about I didn't even realize existed.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, the way that I learned about it is um, the stuff that I follow in Drupal. There's uh, The main guy in Drupal, is, uh, his name is Dries, and he basically you pointed me to it. That's how I found it through an RSS link, but it's really pretty awesome. It's at um, google.com slash insights slash search. And that's where you're going to be able to see, um, basically, it looks like what Google is doing. I don't know you know, the extent of the data that they're showing. You want to think that it's all of it, but you don't know, but at least it's right. you know a good chunk. Um, trends of searches, because you've got Google Trends, which has been around for a while. But you didn't know about that one either, did you? No, I haven't used Google Trends or Google Insights until today. So if you go to, um, I think it's google.com slash trends, that is going to show you the trends for any particular search. You can put in any search term you want, Drupal, PHP, FileMaker, whatever. But then Google Insights is an extension of that where it allows you to compare different types of things. So, for example, the uh, Google Insights page that I have loaded, I've actually got in the search terms of FileMaker, MS Access, Servoy, Alpha 5, another competitor that advertises uh, based on FileMaker keywords, and Lasso. And if you look at this, all of them are pretty much trending down, which is uh, interesting. Right. Although what I was mentioning when we had talked about this before is when you look at uh, the fact that FileMaker going back to 2004, which is about the start time on this Google Insights and Google Trends, trending down to 2008, you sort of have to figure out why or how is that happening. And What I was thinking was, of all of the web, back in 2004, you had more technical people, you had fewer websites, obviously. And there were more technical people doing technical type of searches, so FileMaker would be up back then. But now in 2008, we've got so many more websites, and the traffic is so much greater that obviously you would have a downward trend. But then at the same time, if you look at just FileMaker's own numbers for searches, which this probably doesn't represent very well, is FileMaker trending down? And I would have to sort of think, yes, yes. Because, just from experience, from hearing a lot of people, a lot of people, when FileMaker doesn't either fit anymore or it's too pricey, which is oftentimes the the case for schools or some other organizations, they just move to the web. Right. It's much That's more a,
0: expensive to develop, or more expensive to develop. That actually would be a great debate topic right there. Definitely. Um, but uh, but then you you kind of well you do and don't solve the deployment option <laughs> um, because you, browsers aren't created equal because I'm facing sites these days that are created in um, .NET, and they use a lot of ActiveX controls. So uh-huh. then, you have, then you have a you have a web-deployed uh, application that's actually much less cross-platform than a FileMaker application, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And that was me going, ah, because dot .NET Ugh. I know. and the
1: ActiveX. I know, Man. but I see it.
0: One of the uh, CDC actually has developed a big application um for HIV case reporting uh, sure. developed in that system. And you have to use not only that, but actually the way they've got it, you can only deploy it on one version of Internet Explorer. It doesn't currently work with Vista. So it works only for XP, only for IE. I guess that's what six or one specific version only six. for PC. Yeah. So which is now only like, fifty five or sixty percent of the browser market or something like that.
1: talk about limited yeah. I mean Vista alone,
0: but on the other hand, I see you know the reason that they choose to do that is because to keep development costs down by choosing what they perceive to be a less expensive way, so you know I, I don't really fault them even though it looked to me it looks kind of odd, but to them that's really kind of their market. There's very few Macs in public health true. Everybody has them at home, but they're provided with PCs for work.
1: That is true. And that is all we've got for this week. Yep, just a short little intro for uh, what we've got coming down the pike. You know, I always thought that it was either, I always had a question, is it pike or is it pipe? Yeah, I've often wondered that myself. I, I think well, gonna, maybe
0: both, is, I, both are true.
1: I, yeah, well, I figured it out. I knew I know which one it is, yeah. but I'm going to leave that up to the uh, listeners. I'm that going to let you go ser- let you go search on the uh, web. Is it coming down the pipe or coming down the pike? Either you know or you need to Google it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they're not both correct. That's what you're telling me.
1: The, I know there is one that is originating, and it's sort of easy to tell if you go back. You know, most things come from. Old English history or whatever. Hey, I'm not a a history guy or an English guy, so if Old English history is incorrect, don't jump all over me. (laughs) Don't call the 800 number and say, yes, um, it's not Old English, Matt. It's (laughs) whatever. Nice. So what we want to do is have you, the listener, if you've got feedback, if there's something that you'd like to have us talk about or would be interested in, we are always welcome to uh, get that information and again that's uh, Matt at FileMakerTalk.com as well as 877-300-2228 and then we also have the uh, Skype which is uh, FileMakerTalk. You can use this the Skype search to find that name. And then you can just call it even if the if the account isn't logged on and leave a message? Yeah, that's the way we're going to set it up. Pretty nice. All right. Well, that works for me. It was great talking. Thanks. All right. We'll see you next week. Or in a couple weeks, actually.